You're listening to the Talk of Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yep. Today's episode is going to be our second parter for the fall 2016 anime reviews. We tackled quite a bit in our last segment. We're going to tackle some more in this segment. But we're from the TalkingSpirit.com website. You can go there for our news reviews and coverage of new and old anime, as well as our wonderful community and forum links at the top, social media links on the right side, as well as our part one of our season reviews for the fall 2016 season. Uh, but yeah, for this part, we're going to knock out Lost to Ridge Incited Wigcross. Flip Flappers, Bungo Stray Dogs Season 2, uh, Keijo with, like, what was it, eight explanation points, Sanophonium Season 2, uh, Matoi the Sacred Slayer, Agane Orchestra, and Maho Shoujo Nante Moi Descara Season 2. Lots of Season 2s in there, but uh, it should be okay. You should be okay if you haven't watched the first seasons on these. We're going to start things off with uh, Lostrous Incited Wicross. Uh, this was a series that streamed on Crunchyroll and for 12 episodes was done by Studio JC Staff, based off of a card game, and the genres are game and psychological. Uh, but if you have not watched the original uh, Selector Infected, we crossed the old series that was run for two different seasons, plus they had the movie. Uh, we were afraid of some kind of connection happening there that we would have missed because we didn't technically watch the movie. Uh, we're glad to see that there wasn't really any kind of connection, or that we'd missed them at least. But I can honestly say at this point, yes, there is connections, but there really is just a call to one of the characters that shows up in the show is technically was a part of the original series or the original game, basically. Uh, so keep that in mind. I don't think it's detrimental to the story. I think it's really a thing of like, cool, there was a reference there, and I like that reference. Uh, but this one basically, if you have not followed the Cross series, it's basically where girls will... Uh, most of the girls in the world are fascinated by this card game. They all get interested in it. I think in the original series, it was because there was a lot of celebrities or uh, idols that were into it, and so people got into it in that way. Uh, but basically, as girls play this game, some of them, as they get these packs of cards, will end up finding a special card in those packs. It ends up being this kind of living character inside the card that's called a Lurig. And the Lurig basically tells them, hey, I'm your battle card, and you're a selector. And you're going to play this game where you play other selectors, and it gets a lot more real. It's not just cards on a table. They actually go into a battlefield, and they play cards, and they fight each other. Well, in this particular season, we follow Suzuko, who is a girl who just is a random girl. She enjoys life, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but she gets chosen. Doesn't seem too interested in it, because in this particular game, uh, there's a lot to do with memories. Each person gets assigned coins, which is different from the original series. They get five coins, and if they lose, they lose a coin. If they win, they're going to gain a coin. And if they gain all five coins, they get, like, a wish granted to them. Um, but she quickly bumps into Chinatsu as a friend of hers from her childhood. 
And Shinatsu sees things a little differently. Shinatsu, for some reason, uh, doesn't like uh, their past together as their childhood friends. She feels that she was tied down by it because she felt like she always had to live up to the expectations of her childhood friend who always thought she was great and perfect. And so she wants to erase those memories of their childhood together. And Suzuko doesn't want that. So Suzuko ends up gaining the idea of wanting to win to keep those memories. And then, of course, bump into other people who all have their own desires for the whole game. Uh, Some want to erase memories from their past. Some wants to uh, recall memories from their past, no matter how dark it is. And so that's kind of the gist going into it. And at some point, they run into some guy named the bookmaker who, like, pretty much forces people to have to bump into each other. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. So they play each other and all at the with their memories hanging in the balance, basically. As you lose too many coins, you lose your memories. Stuff like that kind of comes up. Um, but yeah, this uh, this series, I... <laughs> I, w- I had high hopes for it because I, with the original Selector series, I enjoyed it, uh, but it took quite a while to get into it. It was Mario Kata's work, so it was very melodramatic. I didn't, that stuff, I think that was pretty much one of my first experiences with Mario Kata, so it, it threw me off. I had to get used to her writing style. Of course, this one's not written by Mario Kata, yeah. so that's a little bit of a different story. But I do feel her touch was in there every now and then, especially with Chinatsu. But I guess that pretty much brings up my biggest issue with the show was Chinatsu. Chinatsu was a... I think it really is the main characters overall. I This show had potential in it with the memories and how I wanted... I wanted, I was hoping they would do something with how the effects of the game itself were constantly at play. And I thought that was the case with Chinatsu, but Chinatsu really never got explained well enough for me. It ended up becoming a thing of... I liked the surrounding character. I liked Hana... I was I was kind of okay with her story and how it played out. The bookmaker was like a full-on mustache twirler, and that was annoying as hell. Uh, I kind of liked Shirai. I, I thought his character was kind of cool, and it came out of nowhere. So it had these side characters that were interesting with their small stories when they came up, and I kind of... I really liked the, the connection they made with the old show, but that was never really brought out to full potential it just kind of was there you go cool connection and then it just stopped <laughs> so yeah i i wanted to enjoy the show i i still think the battles are kind of cool even though they don't make any sense uh turn wise and card play off and never really they never really get technical with it but the downer was the main the main two uh Janatsu and Suzuko i thought that they're they didn't really do well to explain or they they explained it, but at the same time, it was like, wow, really get over it kind of thing. So, yeah, that was my struggle throughout the entire thing. I was hoping they would do something interesting with those two characters, and they were the main focus for most of the thing, and they never really did much with them. So that was kind of where I fell just kind of sort with it. They still have great sound, still great animation, still great combat and, and impact from the combat sequences. Uh, some cool new mechanics. The coin's kind of okay new comedic, uh thing added to it. It was really just them adding superpowers to it. Uh, same combat system as the original, but it was just like, well, here's a superpower card, and I use my superpower card, and that superpower card usually ends up turning the tides completely. So, I don't know. I wanted to enjoy it, but in the end, it was very much a downer and a letdown for me. So, Yeah, for me, um, I... In one respect, I, I, I agree with Andrew is 
like if, when it comes down to it, my biggest frustration with the show is pretty much Shinatsu. Um, I I think that for the most part, the show was pretty good. Um, I just think that they forced Shinatsu down a a path of dark just to be dark, and they never really gave her a solid. And and yes, her reasoning is because I want to be unbound from what is binding me. I get that. I just don't think that they explained it well enough. And and what me and Andrew had come up with as a reason why it never truly came out to be that reason. And it was like, okay, well, if that's not the reason, then you're just because. And that doesn't work. And uh, Suzuko, I think, came around towards the end. I was a little bit frustrated with her at first. And then when she finally started coming into her own and wanting to become something um, that was really kind of her turning point, and then she kind of became a strong member of the 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 team for me. Um, all in all, I I came away from it. I I was satisfied with it. I don't think that it really lived up to the first two seasons per se. No. Um, but so just take that for what it is. I think it's a fine addition to the group. It's not it's not as good as. But hey, that's how sequels tend to be, anyway. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I it was you, you remind me. Of, yeah, it was there was literally a point where it was like I can see them explaining Shinatsu with this, and it was like literally it didn't happen. I don't really want to say that because then it would pretty much tell people to don't expect something out of this. And I think that was kind of part of the the exploration is saying, oh, cool, this could be a part of it. And yeah, so yeah, I I don't I can't say that I was I hated the show. It's just a case of like the character interactions were kind of boring because I wasn't caring about the characters, especially with the main characters, but the overall, I mean, it was still entertaining, especially with like the, the combat sequences and stuff. And I, I was hoping for something more from it, but in the end it was just kind of a, yeah, I guess that, that kind of worked out. Just, I didn't care much for seeing these two kind of constantly whine at each other. So yeah, unfortunate. I definitely agree. I think definitely go watch the original series. It's still, uh, a good series if you can get past the melodramaticness of it, but uh, I guess at that point, if you're really into the series, go try it out. But yeah, our next one, Flip Flappers. Uh, yeah, this one was streamed on Crunchyroll and the Anime Network. Uh, it was ran for 13 episodes. It's done by Studio Three Hertz, and it's based. It's an original, and the genres are sci-fi, comedy, and adventure. Emphasis on the adventure part of that one. <laughs> Uh, but this one kind of follows Kokona, and Kokona is a standard high school girl, and she's having her, I don't know if she was in high school or somewhere else, but she's in school. And she's going about her daily abouts, and she ends up running into some girl named Papika, and Papika is a very hyper, very act, uh, active girl, she's very hyper, she wants to see Kokona, and is very excited about seeing Kokona, and Kokona doesn't really know who she is. Uh, but for some reason, when the two of them come to go close to each other, they get transported to this other world, which they call the uh, Pure Illusion. For some reason, I keep forgetting every time I go to think about it. Pure Illusion. And this Pure Illusion world is just kind of has no, uh, at first, no real meaning to it. It's just kind of really random put together worlds of randomness and intrigue and oddities about it. And within those worlds, they end up finding out there's these like little gems that they call the Shards of Mimi that they have to get in order to get back out of that world or get it and then get out of that world. Uh, of course, you come to find out that Papika is 
going out and actively trying to find these shards, and she wants Coconut to join her and help her because uh, they th- need to be together in order for them to be transferred to the Pure Illusion. Um, and she wants Coconut to go with her and go adventuring with her to go to this other world and find these shards. And of course, Coconut goes to the first world and is nearly killed, and she doesn't like the idea of going to this other world. So she's like, "No, I don't. I don't want to do that. That's not. That's not. That's not, not on my radar." But over time, the two of them kind of meet evens, and they just over time, whether Coconut wants it or not, <laughs> go back to this world and discover uh, other worlds and find other shards. Uh, but that's kind of the opening of it. And over time, they eventually meet another party that is actually going to these pure illusions and trying to gain all these shards for their own purposes because they find other uses for the shards in order to achieve something, a goal. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the, the setup. Uh, this is definitely the surprise of the season. I, I was going to say the same thing. This is definitely the surprise of the season. I mean, when we first looked at the previews for this, it was like, okay, cute little artistic looking two girls holding in hands. I was like, all right, I don't know what that's going to be. But then, when it, and I guess, and then it was the PV as, as well looked like it was like, wow, this looks really crazy animated. I don't know if they're going to keep this up. Thankfully, they did keep it up. It, this show, first of all, absolutely gorgeous uh it's not hyper detailed kiwani looking it's very i guess you can put it shaft or not shaft but like triggerish very artsy very sketchy looking very active character movements i can um, agree with that everything is moving it's constantly flowing uh it's it's got a lot of points in it that are very artistic because each of these worlds they go to each of these pure illusions all have a theme set to them and i absolutely love that aspect of it i mean the one that everybody pointed out early on was the mad max themed world there was the kind of a a alice in wonderland wonderland kind of world there was a corpse party dark shining kind of school setting world each one of these worlds they go to all have a theme to them and the elements within it the the citizens within it or whatever is within it are artistically created and match that theme all those things were absolutely gorgeous. And they even had this point where they went to a deeper element of the pure illusion. And sadly, they only really did it once, but that was very artistic, very emotional and very interesting in what, what they kind of did there. So that kind of is the gist of most of my love for the show is the artistic look, the way cool animation, the great uses of angles and whatnot Add to that, you had this kind of relationship with Papika and, and Kokono that was kind of slowly materializing as, you know, Kokono didn't want to have anything to do with Papika, but Papika likes Kokono for whatever reason we find out later. Um, but I think most of my enjoyment, even outside of the characters, was just really the adventurous, the adventure side of it. That's what I kind of pointed out with the genre as adventure. I loved each episode jumping into a new world and adventuring somewhere and finding whatever oddity they find there and the cool animation for that. All of that was really what made me like love this show. And yeah, it, like I said, it definitely became that gem of the season for me. That yeah. shard of Mimi of the season for me. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It, it, this act, this act absolutely came out of nowhere for me. Became one of my top five of the season it's just it was easily 
the the little adventures that they came. I would love to have just this show with just a whole bunch of little adventures. I know that eventually <laughs> it would turn into something bad, but this you know, is this is like when he was complaining about Death Parade and how it didn't stick to the episodic thing, and I was like, eh, I'm okay with what it was trying to do towards the end there because it has to wrap up with something. And this is kind of the the same thing where I'm with him on that one. It's like, oh well, I would love to have this to have kept to that formula throughout the entire thing. Not that I didn't like what they kind of did towards the end there. And I know I've already heard some people complain about how it was very typical, but it's like, I, I kind of like what they did with the ending, but yeah, I would definitely love for them to have kept to that, that formula. Yeah, I, I agree. I, it, it, it was, it looked great. I had a lot of fun watching the show. I thought that they, they're, they're delving into some really cool little, uh, internal things that they were doing in the system that, became something really cool especially towards the end when they explored that a little bit um there was cool little things in here i i had a lot of fun watching i and i highly suggest it to everybody i hope that we see some more of it i I think they kind of left the book open and so i can definitely see them doing more with it i guess it really depends on if studio three hertz gets some kind of success out of it because it is an original so I'd, lo- I'd definitely love to see sleep more of it so we can get some <laughs> other weird worlds. Yeah, we had, uh, I'd point out, snow, uh, I don't know really what they did with the snow world. Um, that was the one with the uh, the big old slopes. No, I know what it is, but I wasn't sure what it, they were kind of connecting it to. We were kind of pointing out at some point they show posters in the show, and we're wondering if maybe we can make the connections there. But I, I'm almost wondering if maybe technically only three of the worlds were technically reference reference uh, things. So, But they could be all. Well, technically, like, one was like Tron and Gurren Lagann kind of oozing out of it. <laughs> but yeah, way cool. Definitely definitely suggest that one. Definitely check it out. Uh, Boongo Stray Dogs, season two. We had uh, season two of Boongo Stray Dogs. It uh, it came. We we watched it. It happened. A little bit, little bit hesitantly at the beginning. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Boongo Stray Dogs. If you don't know what Boongo Stray Dogs is, it's basically uh, the first season kind of opened up with some kind of... Uh, kid who's out of orphanage home after orphanage home uh ends up bumping into these guys that were part of this agency and the agency basically is a people with superpowers that kind of fight crime at the allowance of the police department and they kind of point out that there was this uh port mafia within that same town who was bad guys that also had powers but at some point in that season we learn that the main character was uh, um, somebody special that this guild that was from America put a bounty out for him. And the entire first season you had the port mafia trying to capture him in order to gain the money from that, uh, that bounty. Well, in the second season, it kind of just, uh, well, the very first part of the second season, we jump into one of the characters from the agency who was Dazai. We finally found out about his history being in the port mafia. And that was kind of a, Boring. <laughs> that most, I would say that probably that first six episodes for me was very boring. It was a boring. I, I, I would say sleep inducing. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> it was. It depends on how tired you are. It was literally one of those things where I wanted so much to see this side of Dazai because the entire first season we 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 kept hearing about how Dazai was part of the Port Mafia and how Akatagawa wanted Dazai constantly. It was like his. He was his senpai. Well, in the second season, that first part, yeah, you're getting to see Dazai in that team. You're getting to see him and uh, someone we never knew before, which was name was uh, Oda, whose name or was quote named Flawless. So it was cool seeing that. It was cool seeing Dazai as a bad guy doing bad things. But 
I wasn't getting enough to kind of give me a full perspective. I mean, it wasn't really until that final segment of the, the fifth episode and that final segment or that final episode where they finally said, okay, here's where it all comes to a conclusion. And I was like, oh, cool. This is really well put together. Very edge of my seat watching this kind of all go down. And it finally gives a perspective of why, why Dazai is the way Dazai is. And it kind of moves on from there. And we get back to the main crew back in the current time. And things just ramped up for me. For those who don't know, I was not too hot on the first season of Bungo Stray Dogs. It was it was very much, it felt like they were running in place constantly throughout that entire season. It wasn't getting to the point. They weren't doing anything. And then it started ramping up towards the end there. And I was like, okay, so that gives me hope for season two. And I got that bitter taste in my mouth for that flashback, but I stuck with it. And then finally it kind of ramped up with that second half really getting to all these kind of groups, the guild, the port mafia, the agency, all kind of clashing heads and abilities being used in interesting ways because every single one of these people have their own special unique ability and seeing them uh, group pair of the abilities, uh, seeing characters get true development, uh, seeing a lot more of uh, Koya, her name was Kyoka, Kyoka, Nakajima pairing up with Akutakawa, uh, seeing the agency and the the uh, and the Port Mafia kind of having to be forced to come to an agreement, sort of speak, against the guild. I mean, that, that kind of stuff was really really cool. So I guess I'm in the same boat as I was with the first season. I wasn't happy with the first season. It ramped up to something with this one. I wasn't happy with the first part of it. It ramped up into something good. So it, I'm really on a I'm really in a love-hate relationship with Bungo Stray Dogs as a whole because they keep giving me something really cool and they give me something that's like, mm, what are we doing here? I don't really care about what's going on on the screen right now. Give me something. Really cool characters, though. I I think if the show gives me anything, it's a lot of really cool characters with cool abilities, unique abilities. I almost like stored Kyo or Q in there because Q's ability was really cool. So I, I just, I love the world. I love the abilities. I love the characters, what they're doing with it. It's just, I'm I'm not always, I'm not always happy with what they end up doing storyline wise to keep my interest throughout the entire thing. And I didn't feel like it was that bad of a, I thought it was a pretty good chapter in compared to the first season too. So I got to point that out. Yeah, on on my side, Andrew had to kick and, and, and beat me into submission to watch this show. Um, I, I did... I absolutely gave up after well what, what what was it three episodes, and then the fourth episode was the end of that uh, that little yeah I wasn't sure if it was four story. or six episodes I forget exactly I just know it was the first arc yeah it, and and it was like I I was like I I wasn't all that hot on the first season I liked the I I thought it was starting to come around to something interesting and and that was that that reflected in our review is. I wasn't as hot as Andrew was on the show, and but I did see there was these little points that it, that I was like, ah, it, it it does have these parts that were like really cool, and I was getting worse than the worst of the first season in that first three episodes, and I was like, I'm done with this. I don't have any interest in it. I'm 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 falling asleep watching this show. And Andrew was like, No, go and check out this 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 and this, and and I was like. All right, so I went back and I watched that last episode of that arc, which was really awesome, by the way, j- just so everybody knows. Um, those first three episodes build up to that last episode, and 
that last episode really made it worth it. Excellent directing behind it. Yeah. Um, and then from that point on, the rest of it is very solid with some really good high points during those really solid last few episodes. And I think that the last episode really knocked it out of the park. I thought it came together really well. I, I really coming away from it. I'm very happy with that show now that I've gotten through it. I was surprised about how well they brought, uh, a lot of people that were at odds with the entire season together. Uh, there was particularly one pairing that is, of course, always at odds, finally coming to a common goal. I think that was a really cool pinnacle part of the show and definitely kind of lends into what they're going to be doing in the future. But uh, I definitely love what they did with Kyoka. I thought that that was a surprise. I, I, she was literally the reason why I enjoyed the first season. I particularly the pretty much most of the first season, I wasn't caring much. I didn't care for the characters. The comedy was not even hitting me at all. Uh, but it wasn't until they introduced Kyoka that I was like, wow, they can really do something cool with this character. This character has a lot of conflicts involved within herself. It's not that she's cute. She is cute. But there's also this element of the inner conflicts within her. She's done some really bad stuff. And it was really how they ended up, even and even in this season, transi- of course, with this season, we also had a lot of more other characters that were interesting but even then, she was still pretty a solid part of this this season to give me even more of what I was liking. This element of an internally conflicted character with not a very good past trying to stand with people that are doing good. And it was like the entire time, like, you really don't realize you're standing there with Dazai. <laughs> Dazai is not a good person, technically. So it was, it was really cool kind of seeing that parallel that wasn't really put into words but i think was there constantly to kind of remind you there's a reason why dazai is saying this and yeah it was it was really really cool i'm trying not to jump into it too far (laughs) but yeah i I think this season added a lot of stuff into it that i thought was really great i think if they can keep this momentum that that second arc with this season had i can truly love continuing on the series um i haven't heard anything about a continuation to season three so we'll have to wait and see but at least with this season's end, I can be happy, and I wasn't. I'm not angry like I was with the first. I remember first season, I was spitting fire, and then after we've done recording, everybody's like, "Hey, dude, it's got a second season." I'm like, "Oh crap!" I just got done throwing stuff at my screen because of how bad that drop off was. So definitely excited to see what else they do with this. But uh, it was definitely a huge step up from the first season. Um, I, it's if you can stomach, if you enjoy that first season, you're going to enjoy the second season immensely more. I think if you can stomach uh, what it's, if you if you had a bad taste of the first season, I can say you, you it might get better for you. It's really hard to recommend when I can't recommend the first season at all. So, but you can't jump into the second season. That's that's the problem. So, uh, take our words for. I mean, we've 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 beat into the ground enough. I'm pretty sure most people understand what we're what we're going with with that one. So. Yeah, that's uh, Bungo Stray Dogs Season 2. Uh, Keijo. Uh, do we have to talk about this terrible show? Nobody wants to hear about this show. <coughs> Worst show of the season? I guess that's all we have to say. We can move on to Sound of Phonium. Yeah? Okay, I guess we'll do it. Keijo. Keijo, streaming on Crunchyroll, ran for 12 episodes. Just was done garbage, by st- just a garbage, stu- etchy show. It was done by Studio Garbage. Tons no, Studio Zevix. Tons of fan service. That's all it is. Just a bunch of fan service. Source is a manga that is about 14 volumes and is ongoing for some reason. Uh, genres are sports etchy. I don't really think that fits very much. Uh, shonen. But yeah, this one uh, follows Nozomi. Right off the bat, 
first episode, they kind of point out that there is this sport in this world. It's in a modern setting, but this in this particular world, there is a sport called Keijo, and it is very, very popular, and people love to bet on this particular sport. That's why it's so huge. And what's I involved, think I heard somebody say something about it being a split of the words uh, horse, horse race and girls or something like that. Shoujo. I see that. K is something having to do with horses. So now the girls are horses. And that's, that's why that's, that's why they're betting on the races. They're betting on horse it? girls, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's a bunch of centaurs on a table. See, <laughs> people are getting some really weird perspective here if they haven't seen anything about this. But anyways, yeah. Uh, so yeah, in this world, the people love betting on this game. What this game basically is, is on these floating islands in the middle of these pools, these girls get on it, and they, you know, don't want to fall in the water, otherwise they lose. But the only way they can, you know, knock each other off or defeat each other is by either using their chests or their butts. That's the only two parts of their bodies that they can use, or technically four or three, depending on how many parts you want to give to each segment. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Nozomi is a girl who is a gymnast, but she her family is dead poor, and so she decides to join Keijo because she sees it as a grandest way of making money and becoming super-duper uh, idolish and having lots of money, basically. Uh, so she joins the uh, the Seto, Setochi Keijo training school to learn to Keijo and become a star Keijo player and make lots of money. Uh, so yeah, she joins the training school, they go to training, they do training stuff to learn how to strengthen their butts and their chests and learn techniques, and they they uh, find new techniques depending on what kind of strength they want to go with by themselves. Um, but yeah, I, I think coming into the show, I was expecting just what it was. I mean, the PVs were pretty obvious about what you're getting into. It's It's a bunch of cute girls with, you know, mounds and butts, and they're running them into each other, and... And lots of close-ups and all that kind of stuff. And I I think at the early moments, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I can go for an etchy show. I'll give it a shot. Let's see what it can do. I wasn't too... I don't think overall, and I wasn't at all convinced at the beginning parts, this show is technically very etchy. I think this show does have girls in swimsuits, and it does have close-up, uh, close-up shots of butts or chests, but... Usually in my turns of etchy, it's more of in the suggestive area. It's panties. It's it's nudity. This one really rarely ever even shows panties. It rarely ever has like partial nudity, except for maybe a f- couple instances where their swimsuits get destroyed and they kind of cover up and go ah kind of thing. So I I really wasn't convinced on the idea of it being an etchy show. So even when I was coming into it for an etchy show, I wasn't getting that. So all I was really left was, okay, there's a bunch of girls and they're playing a sport on these islands. I was entertained by the action of the the Keijo races themselves where they actually compete against each other. But overall, I wasn't really entertained by the characters. I wasn't entertained by their dialogue, their exchanges, their conversations outside of the games. So for pretty much a majority of the show, I was kind of meh. This is, eh, I don't really care too much. It wasn't really until they got really into their other training camp and getting into their first real big uh, big match that I started really enjoying the show. And that's really because most of the show became their matches. It became 
what absurd ability can they have against each other? What stupid name will they give this absurd ability they use against each other? What absurd thing will they do with the butt? What absurd thing will they do with the chest? That's really what became the entertainment value going forward from that point on. So honestly, for probably a good half, the first half of the show, I was not really feeling it at all. I was really meh on it. It was not really doing anything important. It wasn't really doing anything great. But that later half was absolutely hilarious and absurd to the point that we were just laughing at the absurdity of what they could out-absurd themselves from the moment before. Uh, what new ability can they outdo the one before that? How can you make Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works f- themed into an ability in a show? Yes, they did it. They did Unlimited Boob Butt Works. It, it, somehow they pulled it off. So that was really where I got my entertainment from. Overall, the entire show as a package, I was, yeah, I'm, I'm mixed on it because of how, how slow that first half was, how slow the training camps were, but the matches are really where the guts are. So if you, I, I think it really comes down to, you're, it's going to be different for each person because I've heard some people that say they were enthralled from the very beginning and I wasn't really, but for me, if you match my taste, you might not only you might only see maybe the matches being entertaining if anything so yeah i generally enjoyed the characters and i i found myself going along the same lines as andrew i was a little bit more accepting of the characters and i had a little bit of enjoyment in their interactions but really what sold this show for me is absolutely the matches for them to one up themselves every episode just blew me away no, I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna challenge you there because i don't think they ever outdid the unlimited butt works there was never really another absurd moment after that in my opinion he's got to think on it well what episode was that that was that was Kazane. that was the second right match. i that I, would... I didn't really get well there was the even the magician wasn't that absurd i mean that was like the old that was <laughs> Even, I, the, even the train thing was not as absurd as the limited butt works. Even Nozomi's fight against uh, the other girl wasn't absurd as that moment. I don't think they ever outdid. I that. don't know. I think that the 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 multiple personality oh, girls atta- kind the, of no. Okay, okay, okay. The between the, her the, and the, 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 the attack on the attack on Titan and the uh, <laughs> and the uh, the quick blade girl. Okay. I I, I, <laughs> I still think the unlimited butt works was probably the most amazing thing, but yeah, I will admit that the attack on Titan. Now, really now on the crazy. same, now on the same token, I I didn't think about it, but somebody else had pointed out the concept of the lands were getting increasingly more absurd as the show went on too. I was I was constantly wondering how the hell they get that in there. Like I, I, the planes, the planes I understood, but how did you get a stinking entire old-fashioned Japanese like building in there? And then it, it was sinking. And how you it. sink it? Yes. <laughs> and how do you make that sinking rotate under the water? Yeah. But got, yeah, it, it the 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 thing that kind of sold me on the show was the fact that it constantly was just one upping itself all the way through the show. And it's one of those that if they do another season, I'm totally on board because I want to see where they could keep going. Because 
the I mean, at the end, they were showing all the new characters that you can see in the end. Yeah, it was totally a manga dump, but hey, whatever. Yeah, I, wasn't, I wasn't bothered by it. It wasn't that bad. It was one of those, hey, here's the next level. We chapter ended it here, and here's what's in the future. And you were going, yeah, I could totally do this, and I want to see what their crazy uh, uh, repertoire of abilities are. That's pretty much what it is. It's really just <laughs> what kind of absurd abilities can you run into next? That's it's the absurd Keijo abilities. The animation is really what what is, I was really going for. I thought I thought the I thought uh, Kazane's fight and how that concluded was pretty uh, pretty cool for character wise. I, I liked uh, the the final match they had with Nozomi and somebody else, which was kind of predictable to actually happen. I always hate the best for two thing. Uh, but I thought I thought her kind of thing was all right, but yeah, for the most they part, all characters themselves. I did a kick out a kick out of the fact the that power of friendship wins. No, Nozomi does some really crazy training with the suit, and then and it's really difficult. But then afterwards, everybody's kind of just throwing them on like nothing. <laughs> kind of downplayed that really quickly, or you downplayed her really really quickly. All right, uh, next one we have is Soundophonium Season 2. See, another another season of Soundophonium for Andrew to be the only person in the world that hates it, and everybody hates Andrew for it. No, I'm joking. Soundophonium 2, or Hibikiophonium Season 2. This one was streamed on Crunchyroll, ran for 13 episodes, was done by, of course, Studio Kyoto Animation, was based off of a novel, and the uh, genres are music, drama, school, slice of life. I don't think there's really much to spoil here if you haven't watched the first season, so... Don't be too worried about that unless you were expecting, like, you know, performance to go a different way. I think there's this is pretty open up. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, this one uh, kicks off from the, the first season. You basically met uh, uh, Kumiko, who is just uh, transferring schools, going up in a grade. And her new school, she was going to give up the euphonium. She's played the euphonium before, but she's lost interest in it. But when she gets there, she runs immediately into the school band being... Uh, doing a performance out in front of the school uh, led by Asuka and they're really terrible uh, but she ends up running into two friends of her Sapphire and uh, Hazuki and she meets them really quickly in her new class and the two of them really want to join band so she gets dragged right back into it um, and at the point you kind of meet uh, Reina who Kumiko kind of get, makes a connection with they had known each other in the past and had a bad experience with each other because they lost a performance and Reina is there because this new uh, instructor for this particular school that she's going to is a uh, pretty much a famous uh, uh, conductor named Taki. And Reina really, really admires Taki. And so that kind of followed most of that in the first season. There was a little bit of kind of uh, drama that was surrounding the characters re- involving who would go into the performances, who would take leads, uh, who would not be allowed to perform in the big who would if they were going to decide to take it seriously or not but yeah i guess that's your first minor spoiler but it was kind of foreseen is the idea that they did decide to go uh serious they wanted it they wanted taki to push them to go for the gold they weren't there to make memories and have fun they were going to go for this match so in t- second season it kind of picks that right off they're going right into their performances they're going right into the competition and I think the few, it's kind of split up into probably two major arcs. Your first arc's really kind Three. of... 
Okay, you can add in one if you see that I don't cover it. The first arc really kind of follows uh, Nozomi, who kind of just shows up out of nowhere. She wants to rejoin the band. But Asuka doesn't really want her to join because it's going to cause... She just doesn't want her to join. You kind of get the reason why later. Um, and that really kind of follows Nozomi, Mizori, and Asuka. And that's kind of that conflict between the three of them. And really, it kind of it is on what happened with the third years in the previous year, because as you know, from the first season, there's a lot of this, uh, kind of licking of wounds about what happened with the previous year of school and the third years who were kind of mean to them. And the kind of the second major arc is really about Asuka. And if she's going to remain in the, uh, in the band, she's wanting to leave or her mother is wanting to keep her from, or wanting to keep her from being in the band. And she has her own reasons for being there. I guess the other one would probably be Taki and uh, and Reina, which was kind of like what two episodes. Yeah, short. It was, it, the the last arc was pretty much the competition. Yeah, the competition that they didn't show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think character wise, those are the the three major arcs. Uh, but yeah, there is the performances. They're they're during that entire time. They're they're preparing to go to the performances or the competitions. They they go to each competition. You're going to see if they're going to win or lose. Um, but yeah, I. I am absolutely surprised about how much more I enjoyed the season than the first season. I loved the visuals of the first season. I loved a lot of the characters and the comedy with the first season. I just didn't like the writer's style of the melodramaticness. And I think I felt a little bit of that again with the first arc with Mizori and Ozomi. Um, It wasn't as... There was some times where it was like, that feels a little bit way too melodramatic. I'm not following that character reaction at all. But I, I stuck with it. I, I think it ended up being a much more stronger arc than I've dealt with. And the second arc with Asuka, it wasn't really not just Asuka. It was Asuka, and it was intermingling with uh, Reina and Taki. It was really intermingling with uh, the uh, the previous three years, why she made decisions that she made. All that stuff kind of just kind of started wrapping things around. The characters started really... It, it, it's hard to explain, but the first season I didn't really feel much was happening besides characters kind of throwing stuff at each other. Uh, and then start going into the second season, even with Nozomi and Mazori, on into Asuka, it was really feeling like things were really brewing up into a complete pie being created. And it was like, a wow, I'm really starting to see the characters really changing. I'm starting to see the characters really blossoming. I'm seeing character developments that were really necessary in the first season. Uh, explanations of why characters are the way they are are finally being explained in the second seasons, which was my frustration with the first season. So, I mean, even Reyna, I mean, she was a constant, eh, not caring much for her in the entire first season, and they finally are explaining her in the second season. I mean, everything character-wise that I've been waiting for for this entire show is being explained. And it sucks because I think a lot of that has to do with them not thinking there was going to be a second season. I think I mentioned this with the... Uh, I don't know if I mentioned the, the first impressions or not, but I, I end up looking into certain things. Like, a particular character, uh, Yuko, uh, never really reacted much to Mizori in the first season, but now out of nowhere, Mizori's here, and now Yuko's all over her. That stuff didn't make much sense to me. Uh, there ultimate resolution with their characters involved Yuko and it didn't make any sense to me because they technically did not know that they were going to get to this so it's like I can I can overlook that I understand that now thanks for explaining it to me but 
I guess my, my point is I, I love the characters. I love the developments. I loved everything they kind of tied up. I like how how much they covered in such a short season and how much they provided me answers that I wanted answers for. And it still looks gorgeous. KyoAni is upping their game every time they make a new show. And this one was another example of how gorgeous you can make a show. KyoAni's on top. When I'm seeing people showing off their their candidates for for the best animation, it's like, why is this not in the list? Yeah, it's not action, it's not jumping around, but every movement, every face turn, every the lighting, everything, this is well, probably we were, the most gorgeous show in the entire year, easily. We were we were talking about this, and it's like three or four times we've mentioned this at some point or another, but uh, we, we get really frustrated when we hear somebody talking about um, visuals or animation or something like that, and it's like this should th- this show should totally be included. Why is it not included? And and I'm like th- that show. Okay, yeah, it looked good, but it didn't have the same the it's same attention, like like attention, yeah, to attention to detail. We we were talking about a scene where, um, in particular, there was this uh, one character. These two characters were off to the side and they were talking, and it was taking the time to have two other characters back there playing a goofy little game throwing bags in the air that's that's animation guys this is animation here why is this not even considered why because not to mention the scene where yuko goes in a particular room to go see somebody and it just the lighting is spectacular like the every detail in that scene was just amazing i mean I can't think of a single scene in this. Sh- I mean, there, there. I mean, there, there was a scene in the first in the first season <laughs> that they did do CG yeah, those, on it, those and then parade. they replay, and then they repeated it again and in I, this and then, season. Well, and, but- and to admit, the whole scene where uh, Kumiko was running around a corner onto a bridge in the first season, I kind of irked at that, but it was still cool what they were trying to do. It, and it, but the and example like, is, but they, I mean, like, this is like extremely polished irk, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's like the, even the CG doesn't look that bad, but at the same time, it was still CG. It stood out, and it and it it was burned in my head. And when they showed it in the little flashback montage, I was like, "Yeah, don't remind me you had a CG do scene in the last episode, that season." Dang it! The only time I've ever been disappointed in Kiyoani. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it, on my side, I really loved it. I, it was just more of the, the, the show that I, that, that I got in the first season. And I absolutely am happy with the way it took the story. I, um, I, I would really just be compounding on what Andrew said and, and how much I just absolutely adore this show. So take that for what it is. I will say that there was not enough Sapphire Hazuki. That's that about the only fact. negative. But I think that's really a result of the fact that you had so many of the other characters and so much developed. It's got a huge cast. And I mean, it's not a, it's not like, a, you know, Bungo Stray Dogs or something like that. But it's pretty darn close. And I think the biggest surprise for me this entire season, besides explaining all these characters and explaining why they some are mean to others and why some are avoidant of others, is they managed to make me like Yuko? Like, how the hell? <laughs> Yuko was such a terrible character the first season. I wanted to strangle her. Like, she was, she was the one going around kicking all the cute moe and puppies. I mean... She was mean. She was ruthless. And then out of nowhere, I 
I, w- I, I wanted to hug her. I th- like, what the and, hell? And I almost would want to wa- read the novel just to double check on it because it probably, her heart was really probably more shown by Mizori. And since you think seen so, that- because I know that they they pointed out what so to explain to people like I already mentioned kind of the I mean idea I that. didn't I didn't hate her in the first season because I think that what she was really trying to do was protect her friend oh, yeah, from I the understand. new incoming now well, yes, no, it was it was wanting it her from, it was wanting her senpai to get the only opportunity she has to play the solo sax in the the performance or not sax uh, the, the trombone trumpet. trumpet trumpet and so I understand that yes but she was a she was mean in the, how she was doing that. She was literally trying to create gossip. She was creating assumptions that would tarnish somebody's name. That's where it steps too far. So that's where the difficulty comes. But no, my explanation is the idea that she, yeah, I kind of wonder if, yeah, in the novels, does it, and of course, I'm, I'm thankful that it's actually coming over here. Somebody could actually read that. Um, but no, it, it might explain the idea of maybe those interactions with Missouri in the novels might give that other perspective of her. But like I said, they never knew that the second season was going to happen. So they never showed Yuko with misery. She was always with her senpai. I can't remember her name. I'm feeling bad right now. Haruka. So it was a Haruka. Was it Kari? It's Kari. Kari. But yeah. Haruka was, oh my gosh. I, 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 I love all these characters. It sucks. I'm like every single character is in this. Like, except, I, for, it, except for that guy down the corner, that Shuichi guy. Screw him. <laughs> one, one thing that I, I, I do want to get out here is, this season absolutely kept yanking me into tears all the way through. From episode to episode, I don't think I had a dry eye any episode. Oh, yeah, that was the other season. arc was uh, Kumiko's sister. That was, Well, that was kind of parallel with Asuka. I think, I think I, definitely, hands down, the Asuka's arc, Kumiko, Asuka, and her sister, that whole thing, loved it to death. I, I love this element of... Somebody who is technically selfish, but is bettering, is doing something that is technically better for everybody. Like it, and it's this element of it, you can say that it might not be better for them, but it is kind of better. There is like a wellness there that you are trying to protect. And it's, it's so great to have that element that I, I trust a character and the character technically says you shouldn't have trusted me, but at the same time you're like, but it's really okay. Really, it's okay. You're you're trying to say it's okay to a character. And I I think that's really really cool. I and yeah, it is. It ended with a very very emotional ending, which was was excellent. I think my only down in the entire thing was there was one performance that really should have been shown and they didn't even show it, and I thought that was kind of a letdown. But the it doesn't affect the overall. I absolutely loved everything about this. So. Definitely a, a huge suggestion. I think if you, if you had issues with the first season, I think just keep with it because the second season just knocks out of the park. If you have an issues in the first season about characters not being explained, I think it explains pretty much all of it in the second season. So definitely uh, stick with it. Kind of Can't thing. wait until we get the Blu-rays so we can watch just... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, whenever just, we can just, afford that too. Huh? <laughs> Because Chris already have went and bought the entire first season, so might as well suffer the second buy, too. I think Fiona, uh, Pony Ken has that one, too, so have fun. Well, at least I'd be more inclined to get second season. I, the first season, I was like, that's a gorgeous set. I am not paying that for Kiyoani. Even though I love Kiyoani, I didn't wasn't too hot on the first season, but uh, I'd, be, I'd be tempted with the second season. It's just purely for Asuka. Asuka Senpai's best girl. 
let's, uh, that's Sound of Funium 2. Anyways, let's move forward to our last full-length show, which was Matoe the Sacred Slayer, or Soshin Shoujo Matoe. This one was streaming on the Anime Network, and only on the Anime Network, which kind of sucked because I had to go out and get a... Well, I, what I did, I waited and I made a two-week trial, and I watched it all in one week. <laughs> Got around it. I'm not going to get a subscription for one show, I'm sorry. Uh, studio is White Fox. Uh, the source is an ar- original, and the genres are Supernatural Magical Girl. Uh, and this one basically follows Matoe. She's a, a girl who has a friend with a girl named Yuma, who is a shrine maiden at a, a shrine. Um, and Yuma really, really wants to be a, a exorcist, some really cool magical person that exercises, you know, bad ghosts and stuff. Uh, Matoe is just a girl that likes to be normal, as as most main characters seem to want to do. Um, you find out quickly that Matoe has a mother who has gone missing a long time ago, doesn't know what happened to her. Uh, her father ended up taking care of her after that point. Her father is a cop. Uh, doesn't really, didn't really spend much time to her with her as a child, so she's kind of distant from her father. But she's now living with him, and but he's still kind of working all the time as a cop. Um, but at some point, uh, as they're at the shrine that Yuma's parents own, uh, some person becomes possessed and starts, you know, acting erratic. And as they try to stop him, he just starts destroying things, like, magically. And uh, as Yuma is trying to exercise him, uh, Matoe ends up awakening as a magical girl, um, is basically granted a... Uh, a divine, they call it the divine, um, a divine possession. And divine possession basically is, is essentially you find out that this, this world is a part of 24 other dimensions and each one of these dimensions have different beings in it. And mankind is on the third dimension and these higher beings are in these dimensions above it. And sometimes they can come down and grant divine possession and grant powers to people. And so Matsue ends up gaining one of these divine possessions and is able to turn into a magic girl and fight the thing away. But that uh, kind of concludes. Bad guy gets beat. They move on. Um, and of course, the the offset to it is the fact that every time she transforms, she loses all her clothes. But that's just the point. <laughs> um, but you end up finding out that there's this other girl that's in the area. Her name is Claris, and she uses a device to grant her divine possession, and she's on a goal to defeat these things that are possessing people which they call the knights uh, but yeah that's kind of the opening to things so you kind of matoe is fighting bad guys that are possessing people at the same time she runs into claris and claris is kind of the offset to her where she doesn't really want to be a magical girl claris is the person that wants to be a magical girl because she fights things that hurt people you kind of meet her past later on Um, But yeah, I was really, uh, I wanted to watch the show really badly uh, when I first heard about it because I just came off of the really huge high of ReZero and how much I loved it. And I want to jump right into something else, White Fox. And I'm like, okay, they're doing an original Magical Girl. I have to check this out because ReZero is still in me. Um, So yeah, I wasn't really impressed by the beginning. I was really kind of off put by Yuma. I think I kind of stuck with it because... I liked Claris because her transformation technically makes her look like Saber Alter. And there's a later part which kind of shows another thing, which is kind of cool with, with Claris. So, yeah, I was like, okay, I got, I got a Saber. I'll stick with it. It's a magical girl. I like to see another magical girl style. Um, 
and it was it was really the point in which the annoying Genki character that I didn't like ends up getting her own transformation, and it looks even more cool, unique. That I just kind of started sticking with it. I I can't say the besides maybe Clarice's backstory. I wasn't really too impressed by most of the beginning parts besides some really cool little action scenes, some really cool uses of music mixing in with the action scenes. I they do that. They did that very, very well. Um, it wasn't really until the later parts where it kind of starts exploring the idea of its unique take on the magical world that I started kind of getting interested in it and it ended up giving a pretty powerful ending to it. And what I mean by unique uh, take on the magical world we always like hitting different magical girls for what they uniquely provide. Um, it's kind of a cool thing to kind of analyze. Uh, this show emphasizes a sacrifice. This show emphasizes uh, self-preservation. This one uh, emphasizes um, uh, breaking the tools within it. This one, I think, was kind of uh, pushing more on the idea of the people around the magical girl their desire to protect the magical girl or versus the magical girl trying to protect their family. I think that was kind of a lot of the gist of this one was a really a emphasis on a broken family, uh, the emphasis on family sacrifice, even if you're a magical girl or not. I think that was a lot of the elements of what it was exploring. I don't think it really is huge and deep with it, but I think that was really a, a huge emphasis of it. And I think that's kind of what gave it kind of its own unique flavor for me and what made me kind of stick with it. Um, like I said, it wasn't changing anything. It wasn't blowing anything out of the water, but I think it kind of served in that area, and I thought it was interesting in that regard. Um, but outside of that, I, the, the reasons why I enjoyed it outside of that was probably a lot to do with the different take on the magical abilities. Uh, if you listen to our review of uh, Yuki Yuen as a Hero, one of the big things that got me stuck on that one so much was I'm not a huge, I, I don't mind it, but I'm not a huge fan of wand-waving magical girls. I mean, that's just very, okay, seen it before, you waved it that way, and, it, and stuff happened. The Sailor Moon thing, they, did it, they kind of were a, a big thing in it, so I don't, I'm not tacking on that. But that's kind of the thing, is waving the wand. Well, whereas Yuki Yuna as a hero was, like, punching, it was gigantic sword, it was katanas, it was strings, crazy cutting strings. I mean, that was the cool things it was kind of throwing in there. This one kind of gets in the same idea. Yeah, yeah, it does have the magical girl with the wand, but it also has the sword-wielding uh, magical girl or the spear-wielding magical girl. It has the 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 transforming magical girl, the one that goes between uh, kickboxing to uh, super defensive. Like those things were really really cool. So it gave me those cool elements of differences in the magical girls. At the same time, it did kind of have a little bit of that flavor of a typical magical girl. But I think it did enough on the outside with the Knights, Clarice's story, and the emphasis on family and, and duty to protect each other that it kind of set itself aside from a typical magical girl. So it, it was really one of those things when we were kind of breaking down, okay, which shows that we should be picked back up. It was one that I was kind of hinting towards Chris, but I wasn't like huge heavy on it. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a huge standout magical girl, but I think it's probably gonna be one of those ones that when we do decide to talk about magical girls again he's probably going to want to go back and check it out because I think it does have enough in there to offer unique for a Magical Girl. So if you're a fan of Magical Girls, definitely check it out. It's definitely got a different take on it. Just don't go running after it unless you're looking for something. I think it also looks really good too. I think it. I think they did a good job overall throughout the entire show of keeping it looking consistently good. 
I think a lot of the action scenes were kind of most of them were pretty anticlimactic. It really does kind of end really quickly for most of the fights. But I think in most of the re- times with the fights, it looks cool. It sounds cool. And it does enough character-wise around those fights that it, it keeps that int- and that intrigue up. I think it really does have an, a fascinating world, too. Like I mentioned earlier, the 24 Dimensions. I think that's a really cool, fascinating element to it. I don't think they got into it enough. But I think it was enough that it gave me a little more of that, that world stuff that I like, too. So... It was definitely That's, one of the ones that I was a little bit more reluctant. Because Magical Girl, because White Fox like me. <laughs> Look at that White Fox high. I'm was. I, I, I not, I'm going to admit it. I'm going to admit that was well, White Fox I, high. It, it, it looked like it was interesting. And I, I, it was just a matter of time. It, it really kind of sucks. I kind of mentioned it with the... I joked it really quickly and left it. But they had the element of every time Matt Tovey transforms, she technically... When she transforms back, she's naked. She like loses her clothes through the transformation. It was so funny. At some point, they point out the fact that she's having to buy uh, clothes from like like uh, swap meets because she's running out of clothes. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny that they actually pointed that out. She she wears her worst clothes, like her old PE outfits, just so that she doesn't lose her good clothes when she knows that she's gonna get in a fight. That was too funny. Yeah, that's uh, Matt Tovey, the Secret Slayer. Um, definitely, I recommend it. If you like, like I said, if you enjoy Magical Corals, definitely check it out. Uh, outside of that, it's really going to depend on what, if what I said is interesting to you or not. Uh, our next one we have is Hagane Orchestra. These are kind of jumping in our shorts here, but uh, Hagane Orchestra. This one's streaming on Crunchyroll and for 12 episodes. Um, they're short, I think probably three or four minutes each. Done by Studio Fanworks, based off of a game which is called Hagane Orchestra. And it's a mobile game. Uh, these genres are adventure cam- uh, comedy. But yeah, this one's basically a... It's a parody advertising show. Basically, is the gist of it. it. Right off the bat with the first episode, it says, Hey, we're based... We're, this is an anime based off the game, and we're going to basically advertise our game. And they weren't very... It is, don't get me wrong. It's not a thing where they're going to go... I think they only had like one episode where they literally showed... Like, you can move this part and attach it there, and it makes a, a Hagane. That was, like, one segment throughout the entire thing. The whole thing really was a joke about advertising their show or their game without really even showing the game. And that was what was really, really funny about it. It is a parody of pretty much everything popular, especially in mobile games. Uh, they did a lot of jokes on Fate Stay. They did a lot of jokes on downloads, uh stuff like that to really kind of push this this entire joke so i got a i got a huge kick out of it. i was surprised this was a really a late pickup by crunchyroll i think they were at like episode four or five before they finally picked it up and i started scanning through the episodes and i'm like okay cool chris we're gonna watch this because i'm laughing a bunch and i'm i'm keeping myself from telling them oh this is this episode where this happens <laughs> I got a kick out of like especially they had the the padding the downloads episode was hilarious the uh, the download hot springs episode where they basically moved the steam from the hot springs as they were in it based on downloads and they had a little meter and the Kako girl was doing something really creepy and it would go back down <laughs> the school drama episode all those are really hilarious so if you if you like shows that are are is willing to make fun of itself is has fun with parodies. Um, I think it's definitely a it's an easy watch. It's a really quick run through, so definitely check it out. 
Yep, pretty much. That's it. It's funny and it makes fun of like Andrew has in, in his thing. It makes fun of everything and itself. And itself. So yeah, that's pretty much what it does. And yeah. It's yeah. crazy and insane. I think that, I think that was probably only about three episodes that I was kinda like, meh, okay. Yeah, and I, I I was gonna say I there was a hit and miss here and there, but for the most part, it was funny. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and they made a callback to the tissue papers from the first episode. That was kind of funny, too. Mahao Shoujo Nante Moi Deskara Season 2. This one streamed on Crunchyroll and for 12 episodes. And again, this is the second season from the Mahao Shoujo Nante Moi Deskara, which is basically, I, I'm tired of being a magical girl, I think is what its literal translation is. This one's done again by Pine Jam, and it's based off a web manga. Uh, but yeah, this one's a continuation from the first season. We did a review of the first season, so you can definitely check that out. But uh, there really wasn't much there because it's a short. But the concept was really you opened up with Yuzuka. She was uh, walking home from school, and she noticed this weird fluff ball thing that was in the trash, digging through the trash. And it turned around and said, oh, hey, you have what it takes to be a magical girl. You're going to be a magical girl kind of thing. And she's like, I don't really want to be. And she ends up becoming a magical girl anyways. But the... Silly thing that was behind this whole thing was literally, well, three basically. It was one was she doesn't want to be one. Two, there's really no need for magic girls in this world. And three, she's really embarrassed when she transforms because it turns her her outfit as a magical girl is a swimsuit. And that was kind of the joke behind most of the first season was why? <laughs> really, it really asked it asked the question why. If there's no need for magical girls, why? And that was pretty much going in the first season. Second season is pretty much a continuation of that. It's still really just a why. Uh, it gets more more interactions with Mafuyu, who was a character they introduced in the later parts of the first season, which was another magical girl, even though they don't need magical girls. But this was kind of a continuation of that. You're really just there hanging out with Mafuyu a lot. Um, they go to the beach, stuff like that. I uh, loved to death the first season the first season was hilarious i got a kick out of it i love the element of why be a magical girl when you don't need to be a magical girl second season was kind of just not really doing anything new that i was particularly interested in it was really kind of a they had maybe one point where they were exploring what was the origins of the uh the familiars that make the magical girls was kind of funny but outside of that i didn't really get much laughs out of this one compared to the first season. The first season I laughed a lot, but this one I was just kind of like, yeah, this is cute. Kind of went with it kind of thing. Yeah, I think that it was just just continuing what they, the formula they had already set up. And one of the cool, like Andrew had said, the backstory of the the, the familiar was call interesting. It that. <laughs> um, but the, 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 the little going to the beach and finding a reason that... Uh, that magical girls can still exist was an interesting little tidbit that they threw in there. Um, but outside of that, it didn't do anything new to the formula. It, it just, it just was continuing what it, they already had set up. And I, I was fine with it. It didn't, but it wasn't anything that anybody outside of, if you haven't watched it, I mean, yeah, sure. Go back and watch the first watch season. The first if you season, like, if you like please. it, go ahead and watch the second season. There's nothing wrong here. It's the same as what it was. So, Take that for what it is. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, that's uh, Mahou Shoujo Nante Moi Deskara Season 2. Um, but that, that's it. That's That was a much shorter podcast than I was hoping for. I thought we'd get much more discussion out of the earlier ones than we did, but 
kind of knocked him out pretty quickly. But that's I think that's kind of also a side effect. The fact that we've been recording like eight hours worth of podcasting this week, which you guys will get over over time. So look forward to that. So, yeah, I guess I can say that um, outside of our reviews. Of course, we're going to continue on with our reviews. We have two more segments um, next week and then the week after that. Uh, so look forward to those. Those are for our fall wrap ups for all reviews. Um, but also on the side, I think I'll probably be doing this week will be our deliberations for the best of 2016 anime. So look forward to those. I'll try to knock them out as fast as possible. It's about eight parts to it. So look forward to each part of that as it kind of jumps out there. Um, on the outside of that, again, as usual, you can find us at TakuSpear.com. That's where our news reviews and coverage of new anime is. Uh, Form on the links at the top. Click up there. Join the forum. Talk with people in there. They're great people. Um, but I also wanted to kind of point out before we kind of conclude that I'm just going to say for right now, just a, just a heads up kind of thing that there's going to be some changes coming with us personally in our living conditions. We might be moving. Um, so I'm not sure how that's going to affect us. This is probably going to be probably months away, maybe a month or maybe two months away. I just want to give people a heads up beforehand um, I'm not sure how that's going to affect things. We're already struggling right now, keeping up with the podcast, keeping up with shows as we're renovating and stuff like that. So I'm not sure it's not affecting things so far. I'm just saying if things do slow down or if things shift around, be aware of that if they come along. I just want to give people a heads up beforehand so you know when it comes, kind of thing. Did I, did I, did I shade that well enough? Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> That wasn't an answer to my question. I think that was an answer to the previous statement that I made. Yeah. 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 As as things come along, if anything is going to affect the show, the episodes or anything or affect Taku Spirit, I I doubt it. But if it does, we'll 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 let him as we go. And we'll we'll keep people informed. We're not going to keep people out of the out of the. That's why I'm saying this, so you guys know. We thank you guys for your support. I've already had some people kind of voice their support to me as I was kind of making decisions, and I appreciate that. I love everybody for their support. Uh, you guys have been excellent. Um, but yeah, y'all, thank you all for listening as usual. Thank you guys for your support vocally and through Patreon supporters. Um, we appreciate all that kind of support. And as usual, we thank you all for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed, and y'all take care. Oos. Oh,